Well, good morning again. Thank you. Some of you guys need a little more coffee. Good morning. There we go. Um, it is so good to sing together. Um, it's fun hearing the little voices. I know it, it is funny because I also heard little voices doing all sorts of things, mainly my kids. Um, but again, there is something so beautiful about that. So I really do want to say, especially to parents and grandparents who bring their kids uh, on these Sundays, thank you, because I really do believe you are making a huge impact just by doing um, this and being an example. Uh, this morning, as we begin, uh, again, we've been talking in church a lot lately, like uh, at the beginning of the message, and we're going to continue that today. So I, I want you to take a, a quick minute, and I, I want to ask you this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And I want you to tell someone around you real quick uh, what you're afraid of. So take the next 30 to 60 seconds, find someone around you, and uh, if you don't know them, introduce yourself, and then tell them what you are afraid of. Ready, set, go. And if you're online, welcome. You can throw it in the chat. All right, um, bring it back in. Um, you're welcome. You now have some valuable information about someone sitting beside you that you can use however you want. But if you live with that person, just remember to value your own life. Um, how many of you would say you are afraid of snakes? Anyone got the Indiana Jones syndrome like me? Spiders? Um, my wife has a spiritual gift for noticing a spider that could be literally the size of an ant 12 miles away from us. Um, one of the moments that I, I most thought my heart was going to stop was uh, when she noticed a spider while we were driving. And uh, Lord, thank you for protecting us that day. I know some people are afraid of deep, open bodies of water. Um, I know some people are afraid of losing a loved one. Some of us are afraid of being out of control. We are afraid of so many different things, some that are incredibly irrational, some that have some merit to them. Um, I, I was thinking about fear this week, though. Pastor Cole, not that long ago, we, we were talking as this series was beginning, and, and, and he was like, what do you think is the, the number one thing that holds back people from friendship? And we, we began to kind of just... Think about it. And you know, the, the, the common things oftentimes might be things like selfishness or season of life or, or all sorts of things. But um, as I began to really think about it, to me, one of the things that I, I landed on was fear. And uh, fear, fear in, in multiple capacities. There, there's the, the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. We're, we're afraid to commit to relationships and gatherings and things like that because we're always wondering if there might be something better. But we're also afraid of uh, what might happen if we actually got close to someone. Um, what would happen if people really actually knew us? Like if we were totally real and honest and transparent with someone, would they actually still want to be our friend? Fear, I believe, is one of the strongest tools of the enemy. Fear is one of those things that motivates us. And again, sometimes fear is not a, a, a wrong motivation, right? When there is a bear um, chasing towards you, fear kicks us into uh, this, this fight or flight, right? Which, again, always remember 
you, you, you pretend you're dead when there is a black bear, you fight back if it's a grizzly bear, right? Just saying, you don't got a chance. Um, anyways, it's a joke. Um, but, but fear, I, I think, is one of these things that holds us back from relationships. The enemy has used it in this way where, um, I, I don't know if you've ever had those, those thoughts where, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you think of something terrible that you did 20 years ago, and you start to get this like, little thing in your mind where, like, what would happen if someone found out? It's one of the strongest tools of the enemy. And, and I think our world has convinced us that to be happy and accepted, we must hide much of our reality and put forth a perfectly curated image of what we think others want us to be. It is why if we look at social media, right, we, we typically see the highlights. And every once in a while, we might see what I would call the fake vulnerable post, right? It's, it's like the curated, like, uh, listen, ladies, I'm sorry, but like, the, the, the female influencers, right, who like obviously got makeup on beforehand and they make like a fake wake-up video and they're like, girl, sorry my face isn't all the way put together. We know they did. It's a lie, right? They did their hair, they did all these things, but, but we have this, this idea in our world that if, if we could just put forth this thing or, or we want to give out when we're in a group of friends or, or a small group or a Bible study, we want to put out like, okay, what's your biggest struggle? And you get people um, uh, who, who are like, one of my favorite shows of all time is, is The Office and Michael Scott, who is the, um, the manager in The Office, you know, he, he one time says, you know what, I have flaws, you know? Some, some people would say I'm too good looking or I volunteer too often. Um, sometimes I hit people with my car. It's, you got to get the episode context for that one. But sometimes we do these humble brags, right? Where it's like, man, I just feel bad. I haven't been spending time with my kids as much lately because I've been building orphanages and uh, I feel really bad about that. Um, these are the type of things that our world kind of calls us into. And, and the thing is, I really believe that when we look at the Bible, the Bible invites us to have relationships that are actually impactful, they actually help us grow into who God has called us to be, um, but they aren't what, as we talked about last week, what friendships normally uh, the world would give us uh, should look like. They're not always about having the same interests or being in the same circles or in the same age and stage of life. They're not about whether or not, again, this person has a, a trampoline or a boat or a pool. Although, again, those are little added bonuses. But they're about deeper things, things that actually matter in life, things that actually bring us growth. And, and again, we have to get past the idea of fear um, holding us back. In 1 John uh, chapter 4, it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, here's the beautiful thing about when, when, when our, our target, our aim that we've been talking about in the series is godly friendships, friendships that, that, that are ones that bring life to us as we're trying to follow after Jesus. If, if we are to go on this basis that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, that we need each other, that we have been created with this longing for belonging, then to be honest, we have to get past this fear of what would happen if they really found out. Because you know what I found out when I've had really good godly friendships? When people find out, I find freedom. When people find out, I experience grace. 
And of course, there's moments where things don't go as I planned, because also there is this thing called consequences for our sin. But more often than not, I've been met with love and acceptance in a sense of sometimes my best friends have been the ones who've said, you're an idiot, let's fix this together. And today I want to talk about um, three ingredients for real friendship that I think if we were to begin to really invest in creating friendships that, that were marked by these things, not about whether or not we have the exact same interests, not about whether or not our kids are into the same things, not about all these things, but if, if they were marked by some of these sort of activities, I think we could have friendships that really would actually see us grow into who God has created us to be. And, and as you see on the screen, they're honesty, vulnerability, and accountability. All things that come very natural to us, right, that we love, no, they're all things that are really difficult. They're all things that can be really hard. Um, and again, all things that I believe fear has tried to convince us to believe either isn't possible, is going to be way too difficult. So we're going to talk about each of them and what we do with them. And I, I will confess, I, I, I've had a few different books um, through this series you've probably realized have been um, a big help in my study. One of them is called Made for People by Justin Early. And, and I love these two quotes that he said um, that, that I think um, epitomize why these um, ingredients are important for us to seek as followers of Jesus in friendship. He says this, Do you want to know the loneliest way to live? Living with sin and hiding it. But he goes on, he says, we are happiest when we are exposed and loved anyways. I think that is so true. Anyone ever tried to hide something before? It eats at you, doesn't it? It eats at you because even if you kind of get away with it, we know ultimately, as Jesus says, you know, eventually things in the darkness will be exposed by the light. But there is something about that, right? We can feel surrounded by people, but if we are living with sin and shame in our lives and we are hiding, that's a really lonely place. And on the other hand, we are so happy. Some of the greatest moments of, of joy for me in my life have been right after I've had the courage to confess something. Because ultimately, we are created to live without secrets, We've been created to live without a sense of needing to hide. We, we've talked about this, right? That in the beginning, when, when, when the first sin happened, uh, that Adam and Eve, they went and they felt like they needed to hide. And it was this perpetual um, cycle that we have been in in humanity over and over ever since because we experience sin and shame because of the world that we live in. And for whatever reason, even though we know the truth, that we have forgiveness, that we have grace, we continue to hide. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about these things. We're going to talk about uh, honesty first. Honesty is, is a difficult thing, and, and some of the reason is because um, we have to be careful, right? We, we know that from the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom in the Old Testament, we, we know this truth that the tongue has the power of life and death. We know that the tongue has the power of life and death. We, we recognize that the words that we speak truly have power. Whoever told us that sticks and stones can break our bones so that words can never hurt us are liars. I don't know about you, but sometimes I would much rather someone just punch me than say something that might be true and hurts. And even worse, I would definitely rather than kick me uh, than tell me something uh, that wasn't true. Uh, 
and wasn't true at all, but also hurts. Words have this, but that's one of the, the, the beauties of it, right? We have to be willing uh, to engage in relationships where we are willing to expose ourselves to be both healed and hurt. And, and, and the truth of the matter is we really can't get, uh, get away from this reality of the fact that we are made for people and that we need relationships and that they will be both the source of healing and the source of hurt for us. Many of us are afraid of true friendship. We're afraid of honesty and vulnerability and accountability because we have had experiences in the past where it didn't go well and it hurt. One of the hard parts is that just will forever be true. I don't know about you, but probably some of the worst things I've ever said have been to people that I love the most. Anyone willing to confess that as well? And yet also probably the most healing and encouraging and loving things I've ever heard and received have been from the people who have also probably said some of the things that have hurt me most. Part of relationships is this reality that we will experience it. But we need these things. And, and, and one of the things that we need in honesty is we need both this idea of rebuke and encouragement. Now, rebuke is this fancy Bible word in a lot of ways that essentially means to call people out on their crap. That's not a Hebrew kind of thing, but that's my definition. And it's so important, right? Because in, in a world where uh, we, we, we want to feel accepted and loved, we need people who are willing to look at us sometimes and say, you're acting a fool. In Proverbs, it says this, uh, a rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. There is this reality that we are afraid in some ways to enter into relationships where we can be honest and say something that might hurt someone but is honest and good for them. And yet, if we're, if, if we're being real, there is a truth to that, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, I don't want friendships around me of people who are going to um, like be like, you're awesome when I'm not. In particular, when I'm doing stupid stuff. And I don't know about you, I've had friends where I, 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 at a certain point, the relationships have ended because I've realized they've been encouraging me to do things that do not bring me life, that ultimately make me look like a fool. And there's been times where there's been friends who honestly have said some really difficult and challenging things, and I love and respect them more because they have the courage to do it. There's something about this that it feels counter, um, counterintuitive that we would ultimately love the people most, respect the people the most who say things that are really hard for us to hear. But I think all of us have probably experienced that, hopefully, if we have a sense of maturity, that we really appreciate those people who are willing to say those things. Proverbs also says this, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has flattering tongues. Again, we know that we need people in our lives who are honest with us. A, a person who isn't honest with you is not your friend. Honestly, that's one of the marks of, of, of someone who's a friend versus someone who is an acquaintance. And it's why, to be, to be real, I'm not always honest with acquaintances. And so it's because I don't have, sometimes we don't have a relationship to be honest with someone. We're not sure if it'll be real. Every friend that I have, I'm willing to be honest with. And every friend that I have that's truly a friend, I'm willing, hopefully, God willing, to be able to receive what they want to be honest with me about. Because one of the things about the ingredients of having honesty in relationships is that we are choosing people in our lives 
whom we believe have our best interest in mind. And in particular, if we're followers of Jesus, we're hopefully picking people who we believe have a similar worldview, theology, etc., who ultimately their goal in life, like hopefully our goal in life is as followers of Jesus, is to become more like Jesus. And so we believe that these people, so in some ways we are willing to actually want people in our lives who will be honest and say the hard truth to us because they see so much more in us, and in particular what they see in us is Jesus, and they want to see more of them in our life. But on the other end, we also need people who are willing to encourage us. There is not a single person who you uh, encounter every single day of your life who could not use more encouragement in their life. Every single one of us have insecurities. Every single one of us have fears. And honestly, more often than not, what people need is others who will say, hey, what you are thinking and believing about yourself in particular is not true. And they need people to remind them of whose they are and ultimately how they have been created, how they are fearfully and wonderfully made. In uh, 1 Thessalonians, it says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. We need friends in our lives who are willing to look at us and when we are down, be honest enough to say, quit throwing yourself a pity party. We need people in our lives who are willing to say, will you stop negatively talking about who you are? We need those sort of people. And the truth of the matter, why honesty is an important ingredient in friendships is that we need friends loving enough to tell us the truth about both the good and the bad in us. Because sometimes we've probably experienced this before. We have friends uh, or people who, who, who would call themselves friends who, who are really good at saying the bad, telling us the badness, not so much of the good. And we have friends who, 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 will, who will only say we're the best and, and we're great. And, and by the way, can I tell you something? If you have a friend who always says that you are right and you are good, they are not a good friend. Listen, sometimes we're awful, right? Can I get an Amen. Sometimes I'm the worst, probably often actually. One of the beauties about friendship, though, is this idea that there's this gift of being able to be the worst, but not having to stay there. For people to love us, to hear that, and to not only say, um, hey, you're kind of being awful right now, but there's hope, is a beautiful thing. To, to look at someone and say, you're being awful, stop that, and give no sense of guidance or, or walking together through it, that's cruelty. But a friend who will look at us and say, hey, I'm going to be honest, I'm really worried about you because you're doing this, let's walk through this together, like that's friendship, that's Jesus, and that's good. We need these things. Now, one of the things that honesty ultimately will lead to, it, it, it just basically is created to lead to, is this idea of vulnerability. Now, vulnerability is something that, let's be honest, I don't like it because ultimately I don't want to let people know my weaknesses, my flaws. Sometimes I don't want to be real with people. Like it feels nice to be fake and for people just to think I got it all together. And yet vulnerability is one of the greatest gifts that we have. Vulnerability, it gives way to more vulnerability. It's one of those things that the more that we do, um, the more that we're willing to go first, the more that we receive it back. Oftentimes when I have found um, it through conversation with people who are like, I just want friends who will be real, there's oftentimes the question of like, have you tried to be real with others? And like, well, no, 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 I want everyone else to go first. 
You know, you remember sleepovers back in the day? Like, you, you, no one ever wanted to start first with, like, tell me who your crush is. Or tell me what you want to be when you grow up. Like, everyone always wants to go second, right? Vulnerability, though, is one of those things that the more that we do it, I think the more that it becomes easy for us. The only way to build friendships with trust is to just to do it. You know, it's, it's sort of like uh, people who want to get in shape, who want to get stronger. How do you do it? You, you keep practicing it over and over. You fail at it at times. But vulnerability is, is such an important component to friendship. I, I love this quote from um, C.S. Lewis. He says, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, you too? I thought I was the only one. There is such power in vulnerability. You know, I, I, I believe one of the reasons why we tend to hide why we tend to isolate, why we don't want to be real with, with people, is the fact that most of us sit there in our sin, in our shame, and we believe that we are the only ones. Like, it is one of the great tactics of the enemy to say, hey, you are the only one who is dealing with this thing. And can I, can I, can I remind you of something that's really important? You are not that special. You are not the only person who has ever dealt with lust. You're not the only person whose marriage is struggling. You're not the only person who's ever had a child who's having a hard time. You're not the only person who has ever been selfish. In fact, the great thing is every single Sunday when we come together, you are in a room full of people who are continuing to mess up and hopefully not pretending that they're not because it's a safe place not to have to pretend. But it's true. And one of the great things, as, as C.S. Lewis pointed out, is just this idea that, that sometimes one of the great things is, is when someone goes first and is willing to say, I really struggle with fill in the blank. There's a lot of times where someone, maybe because of the courage of the first person, is willing to say, me too. And when we begin to be honest with each other and vulnerable with one another, that's where healing and growth can begin. Because no longer do we have to pretend no longer do we have to try to look cool or, or feel like we have it all together. You see, vulnerability is this path that Jesus also walked for us so that way we didn't have to hide anymore. When we think about it, in the very beginning, right, the, um, the sin happens and they're naked and they feel shame. And, and ultimately, when Jesus dies, if you remember, he is dying on the cross naked, vulnerable, exposed. And he did all of this to essentially say, that vulnerability, that the, the feelings, the negative feelings of this do not hold power over your life. In fact, they can turn into something that's really beautiful. In, in James chapter 5, we're reminded of this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And the words of Jesus from John says this. The truth will set you free said some of the greatest moments of my life have been when I've been caught. Because <laughs> let's be real, I, I don't know about you, but I'm usually caught before I confess. But there's something about when we are honest, and we are fully just like, here's me. There is freedom in that. And one of the things is because once we're willing to admit that something's wrong, that we need help, we don't have it all together, that's when things actually begin to change. That's when repentance can occur. That's when growth can happen. That's when, when we begin to feel the refining in our 
life. I love this quote from, from, from Justin Early saying this, moments of vulnerability are powerful because they take our shame and they turn it into courage. We have been so programmed to believe that admitting we're wrong, showing who we really are is weakness, yet in so many ways it is true strength. And more and more we need to, uh, when people are vulnerable with us, we need to remind them of how much we appreciate their courage and their bravery to be honest. Because one of the beauties about friendship is like more and more when someone confesses something to me, like I feel deeply honored. Um, not because I'm, 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 I'm super special, but just from the reality that I know what it's like to confess something that's going on, to be real, and it takes a lot of courage. And one of the beautiful things that Jesus wants to do with, our, with us is to begin to be people who no longer keep secrets, who are willing to just be fully real and recognize that they can still be fully loved. All right, this last ingredient is accountability. And this is one of the hardest ones because in a lot of ways it, it sort of takes the first two and, and, and puts a little bit of skin in the game. It puts some, some, some words on paper for it. Accountability is, is, is so important because... I. I I would think most of us who choose to follow Jesus at some point would say, um, okay, if I'm here, I know I need to get over here. That part of, of, of the spiritual journey is this idea of growth. It's, we, we sometimes call it holiness, that, that, that we are, we are slow. My, my, my hope is that every day I'm getting a little bit more like Jesus. That every day I become a little bit more gracious, a little bit more wise, all of these different things. And accountability is beautiful because it helps us be able to get there. But I found in our world, oftentimes, we hate this, right? Like, we don't like being held accountable because if we're honest, sometimes we say we want to grow with our mouths, with our hearts and our actions. It's not true. There's an author named John Acuff who's, who's written lots of different great books, but I love this quote from one of his books where he says this, people who can't be questioned often end up doing questionable things. There's a lot of us in our lives who don't want others to be invited in our lives, to ask us questions, to make sure we're following up on things. Partially because at the end of the day, even if we aren't doing questionable things, we like the freedom that we could. And oftentimes it doesn't start with actually doing questionable things on purpose, but oftentimes I found that our pride gets in our way that oftentimes when we feel like we are, have, have gotten to a place where we don't need to be questioned, where we don't need accountability, is oftentimes the very beginning of us being tempted. And as Scripture talks about, not only are we tempted by our desires, but eventually we are dragged away by them. Anyone who thinks that they are above attacks from the enemy, whew, you are not a very smart person, just being honest with you as a friend. But accountability is such an important thing because accountability is the reminding and calling someone to be who God created us to be. The, the, the whole point of, of Christian accountability is this idea that at some point, hopefully, if we ask someone to hold us accountable, we are essentially saying, here's who I believe God is calling me to be, and I need your help to ask me questions, to call me out, to encourage me to be who that is. And a lot of us maybe just need to start today even thinking about like, okay, if I look at scripture, if I look at my life, 
where am I at and where do I think God actually wants me to be? And starting there may be, may be a great place, but, but I think accountability is, is so important in that because otherwise, um, if we don't want to grow, don't find friends who, who, who will hold you accountable. But if you want to grow, I mean, there's a reason why it says in Scripture, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There, there is this, this piece that, like, if we are willing to actually ask people to, to kind of hold the fire to our feet out of love, like, we are going to experience growth. We're going to be sharpened. But we're going to need this because, honestly, we're, we're doomed without it. It's why in Ecclesiastes, even though we, we oftentimes will we'll read this from the context of a marriage, this is also true of friendship. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labors. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep, keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, again, we oftentimes look at this from the context of a marriage, but let me just tell you, friendship is the same way, which ultimately, let's just be real, friendship or marriage is basically friendship where you get to do some fun things. Um, but this is so true because every single, uh, every single person that I know who tries to walk through life alone eventually is going to get knocked down and they're going to need someone who's going to help them back up. Eventually, someone's going to go through a hard time where they're going to need someone. And the beautiful thing about the, the end of that verse, in verse 12, where it talks about a cord of three strands is not quickly broken, friendships that are founded on faith have a sense of staying power that is so beautiful in a world lacking commitment. Because ultimately, when you are leaning on the idea that the Spirit is what is going to draw you together, that the Spirit is hopefully what is going to help you stay accountable, not only to one another, but ultimately accountable to God. Like, that is something that is not quickly broken. And so I, I want to give just a real quick, as, as, as we're about to wrap things up and we're going to sing one last song, I, I want to give you a few, few steps if you're like, man, I really want this in my life. Um, because honestly, it, it's something that oftentimes naturally does not happen without intentionality. You typically do not have people in your life who will hold you accountable unless you ask them to. And so this, this, this is kind of the best easy way, a little bit of a, of a blueprint for you, is find a friend or two that you communicate with regularly. You need consistency in life. You need someone, and uh, it doesn't even have to be people who live close by, but you need people in your life who, who you trust, who you will communicate with regularly. You need to share your biggest or, and or most frequent struggles you need to be honest and real with them to say, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Scrolling on my phone and, and not paying attention to my family is a struggle. Um, I have a spending problem. Gosh, I have an addiction to pornography. I have a drinking problem. Whatever it may be. But you need to share the things that are the things that you have the most trouble with and you have the um, uh, frequency of struggle with that you're not seeing victory in. Then you need to ask each other about the struggle. You need to maybe develop some questions about what's going on in your life and ask the questions and sometimes ask them more than once. And then you confess to each other, you encourage each other, and you pray for each other. And the idea behind this is that when you have this regularity, one, it helps you hopefully not have secrets in your life. Two, hopefully you are encouraged. Three, you feel like you're not alone. 
Because when you are hearing the fact that someone else is struggling, sometimes that's a really good thing to remind you that you are not that special and you are not alone. But it also makes it where you're, where you're a team together, where the thing that feels so encompassing that you could never feel like you could kind of kick that struggle, when it's not just you, it becomes a lot easier. And so this, this, this is just a small, simple blueprint. If you want more questions or format things, I'd be glad to help you. Um, but again, it's so important that we begin to do this. Because if we really want to grow, in a lot of ways, these are the only way. God gave us a, a, a few great tools for us to actually grow and live out who he is. He gave us his word, he gave us his spirit, and he also gave us each other. And so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with, um, with one last quote from, uh, quote from Mr. Early. Honesty about our sins becomes the path, not the barrier to relationship. Grace means that your hidden failures are not the end of your story. They can be the beginning of friendship. The heart of the gospel of Jesus, after all, is that Jesus sees us clearly and loves us dearly. The very core of our salvation is to be exposed and embraced at the same time. So this morning, the invitation, as we're going to sing one last song, is to come out of the hiding and step into freedom. And know this morning that Jesus is not afraid of your sin. And I bet you that there is a friend, maybe even in this room, who also would be willing to listen to you and love you and walk with you to become more like who Jesus has created you to be. Would you guys stand with me as we're going to pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are... Um, we're so grateful for the fact that your grace is uh, so huge that the, the, the things that the enemy has um, convinced us makes us unlovable, um, makes us unforgivable. The thing that, that if everyone knew uh, would just mean that we would be alone forever. That, Father, that there is hope and there is grace and there is freedom beyond those things. And, Father, the path of it is to not hide from those things but, Father, is to step into the light. Father, this morning, I, I, I pray that maybe we would experience the freedom and the courage to just confess, to get things off our chest that we thought we never would, so that way we can begin to walk in your light, to really be who you've created us to be. Father, this morning, I, I, I pray that maybe there are some this morning who they have like this urge and this longing for friendship like that. I, I pray that you'd give them the courage, maybe even today, to walk across the room to someone, to send the text, to make the phone call, to, to, to stop putting off um, taking care of these things, to stop walking through life alone. Father, as we sing this last song, um, whatever it is you want to invite us to, Father, maybe for some it's the first time to just trust you, to experience your salvation. For some, maybe it's to turn around for the first time in a long time. Or for others, maybe it's just to, to really actually seek out those friendships. Father, would you give us um, ears to hear what you have to say and courage to follow through with it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.